0: Happy offseason Friday to everybody. Hope everybody's having a great Friday. I hope you all had a great day. Everything's doing good. And uh, we're going to talk some 49ers season. I know that's not the sexiest thing, but I haven't had Rohan on in quite a bit of time. So I wanted to bang on that drum again, ask him some stuff that we may have already covered. But I wanted to have a different slant on things. And then, of course, we got my dude Beto on here, Niner Sickness. He's always with me on Fridays. Uh, things on Fridays are going to be kind of different for a bit, you know, as the off season. so nothing's ever going to be in stone, but we'll try to be on here as much as possible when news permits. But uh, how's everybody
1: doing? How you doing, Rohan? Hey, I'm good, man. Uh, appreciate you reaching out today. Glad we can make it work. Uh, I know um, some of the timings have been off normally, obviously, because uh, of my work schedule, but uh, glad to make it on and uh, glad to share the stage with both of y'all tonight.
0: Yeah, you and Beto were actually in the same locker room right now. I'm kind of jealous. I don't have
1: that. Yeah, I don't have
0: my green screen.
1: You got to get on the vibe, Eric. I have a green
0: green screen, but uh, I'm in the process of, like, Jesse, of getting Uh... a new camera eventually. So until I get my new camera and everything, I'm just going to kind of keep it as is. But I got my funky neon background, so I figure everybody appreciates that.
2: No, and that's new new for you. So you've only been supporting that for, what, this season?
0: Uh, maybe the last two months of the season because I was uh, the bedroom man. Everybody says that my uh, bedroom used to look like an OnlyFans set. So, <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know who that is, look it up. All right, guys. So um, there's some news that's been floating around here uh, the last couple of days. I'm, I'm trying to pick what to go first with. I think what we could talk about is the fact that on February 22nd, a lot of questions hopefully will be answered after that date. That's when Purdy has his surgery on his elbow. Yeah. Um, I know, dude, I, I thought the report was they're going to look at it the day before. Or I forget exactly how it went, but it, we're going to get answers to, uh, you know, if it's a normal UCL surgery, if it's going to be some sort of hybrid surgery, which would keep him out longer, or it be a full-on Tommy Johns. The Niners, since the end of the season press conference, banged on the drum saying it's he's back in six months he'll be time for camp which the dates don't actually line up which is kind of weird but uh what's your take on that Rohan you um are you in the mindset of like me and Beto that it's just a matter of like getting to that date and we'll find out the actual nitty-gritty on the situation
1: yeah I mean the the situation is like so complicated right In, in itself because there's a lot of nuggets about it We'll we'll first start with best case scenario. Let's say best case scenario, uh, Brock Purdy comes out and it only takes the minimal amount of time. First of all, is he going to be ready for training camp? Like you said, the timelines don't match. If we're talking six months at February 22nd, if you have that surgery, August 22nd is the date that six months has arrived. That is the week of the third, the final preseason game going into the season. So he essentially has no off season. If that's the six month timeline. Now I've also heard how it's three months and then three months of buildup from three to six and six is when he's fully healthy. But I also don't know, are the 49ers going to play your player in the off season? Who's not fully healthy. I don't know if that's the smartest decision, maybe slow ramp up in some training, maybe uh one-on-one work, but I'm not sure exactly how that works. Remember that's best case scenario. Now, we don't know if this is going to be a um, a worst case scenario or not, but I hope the best for Purdy. I really hope this surgery doesn't take out too much of his time. I really do hope that he's available for training camp in however uh, capacity that that might be, because the best thing for the 49ers is for their young quarterbacks to have a competition this year. Trey Lance wants it. Brock Purdy wants it. And I think the players themselves want a competition. I mean, even if you've heard how it's Brock Purdy's job to lose, which I think is a fair statement to make given the way that he played – you still want – you you see them wanting a competition. That's the best-case scenario. And right now the unfortunate reality is there's so much uncertainty because even if after the surgery happens, there could be setbacks. And also the part that I, I think I read from a doctor when this initially came out is the, the, the issue is there might be lingering soreness in the arm if it's not a – Tommy John type surgery. So there's a lot of different possibilities. I wish the best for Brock's health. Hope he makes the decision that doesn't rush it and uh, worsen his condition, but the best decision for his health. And then he's able to come back and play uh, in whatever capacity when he returns.
0: I saw this uh, comment that just came in from Anthony He said that they need to bring in a reliable veteran backup. It's funny that press conference at the end of the year, Kyle was like, Super animate against any talk of needing to invest into the quarterback room, and I was just like, "That's what gives me the hope that they know more." Because uh, you know, in the past, Kyle's been wrong about in the front office and the the you know everybody, whoever the trainer has been wrong about guys, and then they end up needing to be out longer or they never end up playing ever again, like a uh, Jalen Hurt or something. So I'm right now of the I'm in the mindset. And uh, I'm sure when I ask Beto, he's probably the mindset too, is it's uh, we'll wait and see. And when we, when we know is when we know, and we can talk about it and uh, make YouTube videos about it all we want. But until we find out something concrete, we're really just blowing smoke up everybody's butt. So, but yeah, Beto, what's your take on the situation as far as this whole thing goes?
2: Yeah. I'm uh, I'm with Rohan as well. You know, we're going to have to wait and see what type of uh, surgery he needs at the end of the day, as, Niner, as a Niner fan, I, I want him to, uh, you know, take the surgery that does not keep him out for most of the year or all the year. I would love him to compete uh, with Trey Lance. I think competition is always great. Iron sharpens iron, as one man sharpens another. So I think competition always brings the best out of each competitor. But in the same token, I, I you know it, it's a sticky situation. I I presume for the young man Brock, because it's not like Brock's a first round, second round guy. He's a seventh round guy. So if he chooses to have the, the, the surgery that keeps him out for the whole year, that might be better in the long run in the sense of his elbow and shoulder, whatever it is, but can he afford to lose his job to Trey because of injury and never get an opportunity again to be a starter? So that might be a situation where he might rush uh, and not choose that surgery and get the one that is quicker for the fact that he wants to compete because he realizes as a a seventh-round player, if I don't take my opportunity now, I can lose it. And who knows when I can get back on the field. So I hope he makes the right decision uh, for him and his family. You never want to rush anything. As a Niner fan, I want him back quickly, compete with Trey, but as a human being, uh, as a father, I would under, I would want him to make the right decision for himself and for his family and do not allow pressure of not playing on the field again to make the wrong decision, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, this has nothing to do with us or the uh, organization. Um, I know that there was talk that Mostert kind of talked about that the organization might have forced him into playing in the past. And, you know, you wonder how much of that has any really any credence or whatever, but I don't want, and I hope that the 49ers don't, I don't think they will, but I just, I would not like to want him to be under some sort of unnecessary pressure to think that he has to come back. If you need to get Tommy John surgery, do it. The Niners have a roster and they're going to have a roster this year that I'm sorry, Trey Lance needs to show us something. And he has enough pieces around him to where I really don't want to hear many excuses. You know what I mean? I know he hasn't had the time or the equal you know, reps or whatever, but uh, this is kind of a, regardless of the situation, this is kind of a put up or shut up type thing this year. So um, he has a chance to come into camp and off-season workouts and uh, do a really good job. And, and maybe kind of, I can't say maybe people forget about Brock Purdy, but make his comeback not be so something that we have to force. Uh, so this is this is a big shot for uh, Trey Lance really to to get his shine on and and do really well and and kind of see the thing with the thing with Purdy is Purdy can be forgotten about very quickly in this league because he was a 7th round pick. He played only a handful of games. People are always going to look at the guy like Trey Lance who has all the upside as something more sexy regardless of what he hasn't done. Whereas right. Purdy can be easily forgotten about and put in the back burner, so it'd be interesting to see when this uh, date hits and maybe the day or two after when we finally get some information. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be one way or the other, guys. Is there's either gonna be mass panic or jubilation? Um, Anthony made a good point in the chat, and I've never seen you in here before, but I appreciate you uh, participating. He says coming into this season with two young cubies who are both coming off injuries. Can't be reliable. What happens if one of them gets hurt? That's the thing. If you force one guy to come back too quickly and they overthrow or, you know, do whatever to hurt themselves, and then you're right back at square one. So, uh, be interesting to see who the Niners bring in, uh, oh, yeah. to compete. I know Kyle's all like, I don't need anybody. I'm angry and I'm mad. But, uh, I think you need another competitive quarterback in that room. So, we'll no, see. I
1: agree. I agree. And I mean, uh to to give respect to Kyle Shanahan, he 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 did say that the 49ers will bring in a quarterback on a mid-level I forget exactly the wording, but he 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 did insinuate they're going to bring in a veteran, which if we're being honest is obvious they're gonna bring in a veteran because Brock Purdy will not be able to throw in the offseason, season at least in the early part of the offseason and OTAs, you normally carry uh, three to four quarterbacks uh, in the offseason because that's the 90-man roster so they're at least going to bring in one more body likely at least two bodies too if we're talking about it to make sure they're throwing well in OTAs Um, and one of them will likely end up being on the roster in 2023 because you're going to sign him to be the backup to push Trey Lance maybe not necessarily give him a big guarantee but it's an interesting quarterback class. I mean, they if you're talking about backup caliber options, it's led by Jacoby Brissett. But I don't know if Brissett's going to make uh, to enough, or if he's going to be of the cost that the 49ers are willing to spend. Brissette will likely make uh or around $10 million a year, maybe 8 to 10 million a year, and I think that, that is a value where I don't know if the 49ers are going to pay that, but there are several options. I mean, when you talk about uh, backups, Teddy Bridgewater's there, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Andy Dalton, if you're looking at older options, even guys like uh, a guy who I pointed out uh, last week in an article was Taylor Heineke. I think Heineke understands his role and I think that he's a guy who the 49ers could look at but regardless it's clear it's uh, that the 49ers will bring in at least one quarterback this offseason the question is who and I think that the level of quarterback that they bring in will indicate kind of how they feel about Brock Purdy
0: yeah well they're they know a lot more than we do eventually so we can't really um like that that's why I keep coming back to uh kyle's behavior and, and john lynch seems so sure that it was a six-month thing in that press conference that's why in my brain i keep thinking that they know more but then in my brain i also think about all the times that they were wrong about other players so i'm kind of like 50 50 on it but yeah october or excuse me January, february i'd say like 23rd 24th once they went in there and and did what they've had to do, uh, we'll get we'll get our answers one way or the other. But uh, speaking of quarterbacks, let's jump over to Trey Lance. Um, I'll be guilty. I was all over Mike Silver and 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 all the other people that were talking in the off season about uh, dead arm, Trey Lance, this, that, and the other. Looks like uh, there was a little smoke in. Where there's smoke, there's fire. There was actually some truth to that uh, situation, Rohan. Um, He talked about throwing for about 20 straight months with maybe a week off in that time and said he pretty much had a dead arm. Was it? It was this year, right? So he kind of came into the.
1: I believe it was his rookie year, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Okay. Yeah. So he came into. He came in. Let's see. He said he all the fall all fall ball. He had two throwing. He had th- two sessions in fall ball a year. I think that they did in play. Right. Right.
1: Right. Then yeah. he did draft prep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I then mean. yeah yeah you're right because he he had a quarterback where he went from May 2020. Uh, because w- he got drafted in 2021. Where after that fall ball, he was throwing essentially from 2020, then had draft prep till 2021 in April of 2021, and then he'd thrown for an entire year already. And then he had, uh, and then and then when you when you bring it up to that off season, uh, like the off season of his rookie year, he he had essentially been throwing for 21 straight, pretty much.
0: That's insane. So I mean. I guess a lot of people had an issue with that or hearing that just because he was drafted and had barely played in college. Like how can this guy have a dead arm? And it also had to do with how some of the the media were kind of making it out to be something that maybe that it wasn't. So uh, what was your, um, what was your take on that beta when you heard that he had the dead arm situation Uh, shocked?
2: Uh, Yeah. um, You know, I, you know, like you said, you know, throwing the ball, trying to, uh, you know, impress scouts and impress uh, teams out there uh, prior to being draft and then being and then throwing at the combine, throwing all this. Um, you know, I can see where he got fatigue. And <clears throat> a lot of times when these people talk about certain players, um, we tend to get upset. Um, we get kind of bothered because they talk about a certain player that we particularly like. But you know, these reporters, uh, some of them do it for clicks, but for the majority part, some of them, you know, they, they speak true. They, they have inside source. And just because we don't like what they're saying uh, doesn't necessarily make it untrue. Uh, like you said, um, we came to find out that uh, Trey admitted himself about being uh, tired, having a fatigue arm. So, you know, the source comes from somewhere. And um, hopefully this year, uh, his arm's stronger. We don't have to worry about that. And I'm I'm really looking forward to see what Trey does. I think a lot of people already given up on him. I don't understand why. I understand that Brock Purdy has impressed a lot of people with what he his decision making, um, the way he uh, spreads the ball, um, and all that's great. But I think Trey Lance still has something to offer, and uh, I don't think we have tapped uh, what Trey Lance can do hopefully he can get his accuracy uh, together and uh, show us this year that he's definitely the quarterback that Kyle Shanahan wants because I love Brock Purdy, uh, everything about him. But, man, you just can't – you know, I understand that people fall in love with Brock, but I love what Trey Lance offers, his height, his strength, his ability to run. Um, There's so much that Trey Lance can do that Brock can't, in my opinion. So – a lot of people ask me, you know, who's your quarterback? I'm like, whoever lines under center and helps to win, as long as it's not Jimmy, I'm good.
1: And, I mean, to add to that, I think that since – I mean, the end end, end statement is um, if it's not Jimmy is good, I, I don't think Jimmy comes back. But to add to that, the Mike Silver report was interesting. I mean, I know a lot of people went at him. I wasn't one of those people because – I was, I know, but uh, I wasn't <laughs> one of those people because, like, I, I did think that there could be some truth to it. And mm-hmm. I was I'm not going to say something if I don't know uh, about what I'm talking about. And I'm not I'll be honest. I mean, I heard maybe two, three months, two months ago, two months ago. Stuff that was fairly similar to what Mike Silver was saying. The only issue I do have with the Silver Report is the timing. Um, uh, because it, the timing initially had insinuated that it carried over to 2022, which mm. I believe in the report we had heard from Lance itself that it was specifically in his rookie year, and so the timing made it a little bit of a concern that it was also happening in 2022 when he was expe- expected to be the starter.
0: Yeah, because it, it ran. It ran till January of 2022. Correct. That yeah. was that was when it ended. So it it wasn't something that affected him. This right past offseason and i also
1: no i mean that's 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 correct and i also when you talk about it then the two things were just the context and the timing uh that you could maybe have an argument with because when you talk about the context right you have to understand that during his rookie year lance was also suffering from a broken finger injury he had he broke his index finger and lance himself admitted it that he didn't get healthy from the broken index finger until january of 2022 but when the season was over, in fact, that's why he had struggled in his uh, start against Arizona. And he said he still felt it a little bit against the Houston Texans. And so you've got to understand the context about it. I mean, Lance provided the context on the podcast with Quincy Avery Avery this week about how he'd been throwing for 20 months straight and things like that. So I, I do think that it's important to understand the reporting element of it, because it's a good story for Mike Silver. There are a couple of things that I'd say that I had an issue with, with the the context and the timing, but still, yeah. I mean, once I heard some of the details about it a, a few months back, it was understandable. Uh And unfortunately, Mike Silver did take a lot of flack initially for that. And so, yeah, I mean, it's an unfortunate situation, but the good thing is, Lance it seems like that portion is gone because obviously he is under a much better throwing program now. And also he doesn't have the finger injury.
0: CJ gray made a comment about something that I've actually thought about. Um, any chance the Niners take one of those late round picks and draft a quarterback, or do you think this is going to be squarely free agency, because, I mean, it's not like the Niners right now until they do some movement on their salary cap and some mm-hmm. contracts. They don't have a lot of money to play with. Um, yeah. Th- possibility? I mean, I've thought about it. I, I, to me, or do you? would you rather have somebody, because of what we saw happen with, with uh, you know, what I'm trying to talk about in the NFC right. Championship game, you want to have someone, yeah, I mean, you can't. Here's the thing. Who loses all their quarterbacks, right? Like, if you're, if you're at your fourth or fifth string quarterback, chances are your season's beat, right? Like, nobody deals with that and has a guy that's that deep on the roster. You're never supposed to reach that point, but I don't know. What's your what's your take?
1: I think it's an interesting topic. I mean, uh, obviously, after what we saw with Brock Purdy, I do think, though, uh, after evaluating some of the quarterbacks in the class and understanding who the 49ers might target, I wouldn't say it's one of the stronger quarterback classes uh down low. I would rank Brock Purdy probably fifth, maybe sixth in this quarterback class, somewhere in the top. Wow. Definitely in the top seven. I mean, yeah, I, I was higher on Bryce, Brock Purdy. Other
0: than Bryce Young, you hear nothing.
1: Right. About this and class. I mean, I, I think that I think at the top you can say it's strong. I think in the top, my number one and number two might be bold, but I have Young one, Richardson two. Um okay. And uh, I'm I'm still evaluating uh, the rest. I I assume CJ Stroud goes number three for me. But overall, regardless, I I don't think it's too strong of quarterback class. I also think the 49ers do value – Uh, the position and want to get a veteran. I don't think they need a veteran at the position. I was talking with Fish Kumar and a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about how Brian Greasy essentially is the veteran at quarterback because he played the position and now he's the coach. But I do think that they're going to look for a free agency because they want a solidified backup because if you're drafting a rookie, you have to understand he's going through the Shanahan system and you don't want to simplify the system. But you also want a guy who you understand can compete with Trey Lance and OTAs and push him because you want to know if Trey Lance is your guy going into training camp. If you don't know Trey Lance is your guy going into training camp, you have an issue because you don't – you'll have an organizational divide on who might be QB1 and stuff like that. So to me, I think they go with the free agent. That's my personal belief with the amount of free agent backup level quarterbacks that are on the market. And because I believe they're going with a free agent, I don't think they draft a quarterback unless they're going to cut him and place him on the practice squad. You don't carry four on the active roster. Most teams, less than 30% of the teams carry three on their active roster. And the 49ers did three, which was something that was unprecedented in the Shanahan era before. And so to me, I don't think – I think the maximum they'll carry is three. I do think they'll carry three next year because Purdy, uh, the backup, whoever they sign, and Lance will likely be on the roster given that the backup would have been there for the entirety of the offseason. You also don't know necessarily how Purdy will respond. That's why, though, I don't think they draft a backup unless the intention is to cut him And uh, for the practice squad, of course.
0: Yeah, I think too is – my sneaky suspicion and my fear is that they end up bringing back Josh Johnson for some
1: crazy idea. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. I hope not. I don't think uh, it's a crazy idea. I honestly think that that could be a possibility. Right. I, I wouldn't and, do it, but at, it when could you be a think
0: possibility. About, right. It, financially, financial-wise, uh, it makes a lot of sense, but it definitely isn't a sexy move or something that gives you a lot of confidence if, say, both go down again, which that's a whole other issue for a whole other topic and show Uh, we've all banged on the Kyle got four guys injured drum and it's just, I mean, it can't happen again, right? This was just an anomaly. This season, it can not happen, but uh, real quick, just want to say thank you to O'Brien cult for the $2 super is Jeff Vanderblock blocked. I don't don't see anybody. I don't
2: don't know who, who's, I don't know who that is. I know he's yeah. on my show the other day he said he he mentioned that um I didn't see his comments but
0: maybe it is somebody that used to have a different name or what, something what I don't people
2: know are, People don't realize sometimes when you have a lot of people in your in your uh, uh popping up you, you're not going to hit every comment you see uh, yeah. you are going to skip unfortunately his comment here It doesn't mean we don't see it It's just you just don't click on it
0: I don't see him I don't even um, see him yeah yeah yeah, the Trey Lance Arm News yeah. to me, the, the Treylands Arm News to me, I guess I had an issue just because there are certain guys in the media, like Silver or like uh the co host that runs usually with Chris Sims. I always forget his name. Floria? Yeah. Florio, yeah. You know, there's just certain guys that have agendas. Uh of course we know um we know that uh what's his name? Who Trey dated his daughter? Uh, I always forget Coward.
2: Colin yeah. Coward.
0: Just certain guys I I have a hard time listening to. Even if what they're telling you is the truth, you just don't always take it the right way because there's always some sort of uh, ulterior motive behind it. So that, to me, I thought it was just another crack on Lance, um, another chink that someone was trying to put in his armor to devalue him. So I I think I was, I'm pretty much not sure I was blocked by Silver. I didn't say anything really mean other than like, responding to something and saying that's a ridiculous take or something along those lines. So yeah, I no longer can comment on any of this stuff, but uh, yeah. Interesting. Um, Speaking of quarterbacks again in some coaching news, a former Broncos quarterback uh, offspring who seems like he's got a lot of offspring in the uh, coaching family tree right now is uh, Clint Kubiak. Was recently hired as the 49ers or they didn't really give him a title a high level job within the 49ers offensive coaching group uh he was uh the offensive coordinator for the vikings before becoming the quarterback coach for the denver broncos and that whole train wreck this past year uh i just i was listening to lockdown 49ers today rohan and it was like the whole six degrees of separation or whatever like whatever the saying is like there was so much con there was so much like overlapping of people who know each other it goes back to the Shanahan senior days it goes back to the 49er days um it's it's interesting you got D'Amico was once a player under Shanahan and it just it's all it's all really convoluted and and interesting but uh what's your take on uh Clint Tubiak uh coming on and To me, this looks like another, if the Niners have a really good season or two, that he's going to end up being the next name again that's taken right from this coaching staff, along with probably Steve Wilkes. So go ahead and kind of break that whole thing down.
1: I I like the hiring, actually. I, 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 uh, I do. And I think that this is a good person to replace. Bobby Sloan who's going to be the passing game coordinator and if you're if we're being honest like the passing game coordinator in San Francisco is essentially the offensive coordinator because Kyle Shanahan does not normally name offensive coordinators. And Clint Kubiak's been a guy who has experience as a coach. I mean, I know Vikings fans don't necessarily like him, but he's going to be in a different role in a role in which the offense that he runs is going to be uh to a strong suit because that Kubiak offense uh is and the Shanahan offense in a way are intertwined. I mean, uh, that's where the coaching tree started with Gary Kubiak. And so to me, I'm fine with the hiring. I think it's a good hiring. And I, I do think, yeah. He's probably going to be the next name. If the 49ers want to keep him, they're going to have to promote him to OC. Um, but he replaces Slowick. He's going to be uh, – he, he should be solid. And, I mean, him and Clay Clay Kubiak are on the 49ers. Kubiak, obviously the younger one, Clay, had done a solid job with, uh, uh, with the quarterbacks this past year. And so, you know, uh, 49ers, I mean, the one thing you can't really doubt him on is just Kyle Shanahan's ability to – to, to, to pick his staff because consistently time and time again, Kyle Shanahan has shown that he has made the right hire. I, I don't think many hires that you point at Kyle Shanahan that he hasn't fixed. Uh, either he hasn't fixed or it hasn't been the right hire. And for the most part, it hasn't been – it's been the right hire. Uh, you see the amount of people. I mean, Sloic left this year. Uh, uh, Ryan's left this year. Corey Unlin left this year. A lot of different coaches left this year for higher roles because
0: – Wasn't Leary uh, – was the last name Leary, I think it is? Uh, I forget the name of the guy that was supposedly supposed to get a promotion – he was the 49ers tight ends coach this year. Flurry, Brian Flurry.
1: Yeah. He's still with the staff. He's still with the staff. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, in general, the 49ers have a lot of high rising assistants. Greasy. If he wants to, I'm sure it's going to get some calls. I mean, in general, which it, is when, weird
0: though, because Greasy's never been a coordinator until this past year. I'm surprised he would get right. a lot of calls.
1: And I, I think that, In today's offense, I mean, in today's league with such a high uh, value towards offense, I mean, you hear owners, they're saying, we want offense. We want to score the football, be in the run of the passing game. And a guy like Greasy, I mean, the only way for him to move up as a court, like he's not going to, he's going to be a first time coordinator at some point, right? If you're going to be a coordinator, it's going to be, I mean, people have to start somewhere. And so I don't know if he'll necessarily play call if he, if, or when he gets that coordinator job, but I mean, in general the fact that you're talking about it after just one year as a coach just highlights how Kyle Shanahan has correctly identified his staff members continuously
0: um, Brian Peacock and Near Crocker were talking about on Locked on 49ers this morning when I was listening that Kyle hires certain guys not necessarily to be like play callers but he has so much other stuff that needs to be taken care of that lets him focus on calling games and creating a game plan So he has all these coaches that do all this grunt work, essentially, to help him for what you see on Sunday. So they might not necessarily get play-calling duties or, you know, but that's why, I in a way, he trains them to do head coaching-level stuff within a coordinator's position. You know, hey, I need you guys to... Do this, that, and the other for the next upcoming opponent. What you know, and they do all this stuff for Kyle, and then Kyle looks like the genius, which he is, on Sunday. So that his coaches, he puts there. They have a lot of responsibility. They're not just a dude who just sits in the booth and doesn't have any responsibility. Their responsibility on Sunday might not be as much as what they you see Monday through Saturday. That's where they really earn their money. Um, uh, Beto you've been around a long time as far as 49er fan it, it, do you find it interesting that like everything just kind of keeps coming back and recycled and it's like what's old is new again and vice versa with this whole you know Kubiak was on our staff back in um the year i think in 94 95 season the year we won the super bowl uh against the chargers and then and now his sons are a part of the staff i find it really interesting what do you think
2: yeah, Kubiak was with with uh, Kyle's dad. Yep, a part of his team. You know what I love is the, about Kyle Shanahan. I know a lot of Niner fans. Um, I just don't understand when I hear the "Let's fire Shanahan, get rid of Shanahan." Oh God, uh, crap! Is you know it's people don't understand when the when Kyle took over this team, twenty seventeen. This team was a mess. Um, he he did a whole redo. I think he only kept like two or three people from the old regime, uh, and brought everybody new and started building him. And John Lynn started building from the floor up. Did Kyle make a couple mistakes in in his first draft? Yeah, should he, people say should he? he had taken Mahomes or or um, uh, what's in Deshaun Watson instead of Solomon Thomas? They went with some. I he they should have, but they went with someone familiar. It was their first year, but. Going back to Kyle um, bringing in uh, Kubiak's sons, it's just relationship you build along the way. You build these relationships with these people, and um, you can say whatever you want about Kyle, but Kyle brings great coaches, and he develops these coaches. And even if these coaches uh, make Kyle look good per se, it was Kyle that hired them in the first place. So Kyle has an eye for these coaches, and... uh, Look at three minority coaches during Kyle's six-year tender here have already been promoted to head coach. Uh, and two GMs out of the Niners organization. Two GMs and three coaches are now head coaches from Kyle. So um, apparently Kyle's doing something right. And, you know, three, what was it? What was it? Uh, two or three NFC championships and one Super Bowl appearance? yes. He hasn't got over the top. Yes, he hasn't won the Super Bowl. But if you guys, if people remember, Andy Reid, before getting Pratt to Mahomes, was kind of in the similar same boat with McNabb and and Alex Smith. He was always getting to the championship game, just and one Super Bowl appearance, just couldn't get over the top. Once he got Mahomes, we know the rest is history. I think Kyle, whether it's Brock or whether it's um, Trey, Once Kyle gets the quarterback that he needs, things are going to change. People just need to be patient. Yeah, I understand. Don't settle just for championship games. Want more. But don't crucify the guy for not winning the big game when you don't really have a quarterback. I mean, with Jimmy G, and nobody likes Jimmy G, but we got to the Super Bowl. Not because of him, but we got there, and he wasn't enough to win, and we saw that. But Kyle... I, I think Kyle should have won coach of the year. I understand they gave it to what's the name from the Giants. Um he did a mi- miraculous yeah. The, uh, yeah. And he did a wonderful job there. But Kyle deserves to be recognized as a coach. So for the Niner fans that don't like him, I just don't understand the hate. And then the the whole idea of fire him. Who are you gonna hire? What are you gonna bring back? Right. Haven't you remember the coaches that we went through between Harbaugh yeah. and Kyle? You want to go through that crap again? People need to be smart. Okay, if you want to fire someone, fire him, but who are you going to replace him with? He needs to be as good or better, if not leave what needs to be left alone in my opinion.
0: I love the uh Eric Bienemy people. Yeah, just bring in Bienemy. He'll 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 get us over the top. It's like you don't even know that. He's never been anything more than what he's been and now he's taken a lateral job with the commanders. Um real quick uh,
2: let me just add about the enemy. because I've been reading on it. I want to get Rohan's uh, uh, thought on this. Um, Go for it. I understand sometimes you want to get out of the so-called big brother. Uh, you know, like every you know, you want to be recognized for what you do, but you're under you're under the shadow of your big brother, uh, Andy Reid and Mahomes. Do you think it's smart move uh, for him to take this job with the Washington Commanders, who really don't have a quarterback? To prove who who he is, or you think he should have stayed uh, there? I understand that it sucks that he has been overlooked as a head coach, but to take the same position to a, not as good of a team, uh, do you think that was smart for him? You think it'll benefit him in the long run? You think this might even hurt him?
1: You talking about Bienni? Yes. Yes. Uh, for me, I think it's an interesting move. Uh, when you talk about Eric Bienni, I think for me, I don't mind this move. I, I, I think though. It's also like there were rumors where Kansas City might not have necessarily also wanted to keep him because they themselves have different coaches. I mean, when you talk about it, the guys who it seems like Kansas City has preferred Mike Kafka, the co- quarterbacks coach, who ended up being the offensive coordinator for New York. Um, Matt Nagy, Nagy has been a, a guy who has been highlighted. I mean, it, it, he he's seen as the potential successor to Andy Reid, not the enemy. It's it's Matt Nagy. And to me, I, I think that yeah, I, I don't mind the move. I think enemy for for whatever reason, hasn't been able to get that that head coaching job really anywhere. He's interviewed like sixteen with sixteen different teams. So is it an interview thing? I'm not exactly sure. Like uh, that's that's one of the interesting conundrums, right? Is it more on enemy or is it more in the NFL because of the diversity issue and things like that? And so. I think that a different, a change in scenery would definitely be good. And I mean, it's with the Washington team that is one of the worst offense, or at least was one of the worst offenses. I think the will be in a position to somewhat succeed in that he's got a strong U- U- uh, group of receiving weapons. Right, he's got McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, uh, Jahan Dotson. He's got uh, some good guys there. I mean, uh, even at running back, Bijan Robinson, Antonio Gibson—they're pretty strong as well at running back. So there are a lot of different pieces I think that um, he's going to be able to utilize. I mean, we'll see what he does. I if if he's he can he, he just gets a chance to prove himself, and I uh, I think he has proved himself uh, to to definitely to a degree uh, thus far. But um, if if this is the way for him to get the best opportunity possible, I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, the thing with the enemy, too, is we don't know how he interviews. He could very well not be a great interview. Um, we'll see what he is away from the greatness of uh, Patrick Mahomes. It's kind of hard to judge somebody when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Now, Andy Reid already proved himself over a long period of time. And as far as the comparisons with Andy Reid and uh, Kyle, I mean, I, I just I'm in the belief that if you get enough cracks at something, eventually you're going to break through. You know what I mean? Kyle's up against the glass ceiling. He's reaching for that brass ring. And for some reason, the the, the glass hasn't cracked yet. Eventually, it's going to crack. The Niners are going to put themselves in a position for as long as Kyle and whether it's Adam Peters or John Litcher here, that they're always going to have a hella competitive team to do something in the playoffs. Now, will it be as as it's been the last couple of years will eventually maybe their defense will not be as good and they'll have to be a strictly an offensive team. Maybe. And uh, I just, I just, the whole Kyle Shanahan fire Kyle Shanahan, unless you have an Andy Reed, honestly, or a bill, bill Belichick or some other high level coach as your coach to replace him, you don't put replace him, And no, it's not settling for off NFC championship games. Nobody in that building settles. I'm telling you, it's just listen Kansas City's the cream of the crop, man. Um, the Niners need to build their team this year to be able to beat Kansas City. The hell with anybody else in the NFC. Uh, Kansas City is a team to beat to me. I don't think anybody else in this uh, in this uh, uh, NFC conference is completely unbeatable. Oh, he lost Rohan.
2: Yeah, he, he, hopefully he'll be back, but you, you, you're, you're right, the Niners do need to build. Uh, a team uh, to be able to get to Mahomes. And it starts with, with you know, it starts with uh, understanding that Javon Kinlaw is not your guy in the center of that defense. You need to get rid of him, and you need to bring in someone that can um, go after the quarterback and stop the run. Welcome back, Ron. You, you My fault. Not dis-
1: and, uh, disconnected for a minute, but we're all good. We're all good. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I'm like, he disappeared. Where did he go? Okay, I guess the show's over, Aaron.
0: He put him to sleep. Let's go. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Good night.
2: But, yeah, we need to build that uh, D-line, and it starts with replacing Javon because Javon Killaw is not the answer. He he can be there as a backup, as a rotational player, but um, we need someone that can uh, step in and, and help out uh, Bosa and Eric Armstead, in my opinion. But we need to have someone in the center if we if we're going to make this defense continue to be better. And, and try to go after uh, Kansas City and beat Kansas City.
0: Yeah, to me, Kansas City is the cream yeah. of the crop. Like I've said before, I think the NFC is a... is The Eagles were shown to be just as squishy on defense as any other team that goes up against Patrick Mahomes, even us. So uh, when, I, when I say that, if we would have had a healthy quarterback in that NFC Championship game, and it would have been a lot different, a lot of people are like, oh, you're just a sore loser. I'm like, no, it just... And then, of course, Kansas City proved us right. So, but...
2: Well, Philly finally faced an offense, a good offense. Is yeah. What happened?
0: Yeah. They... they, they. I'm not saying they had an easy road to the Super Bowl, but they had a pretty easy road to the Super Bowl this
2: year. A lot of things went their way, though. Yeah. People don't understand how... They stayed relatively they healthy this year. hmm One thing... I think the Niners are
0: pretty relatively healthy, other than losing, you know, Barrett and... Uh,
2: Bro, we lost... We were Emmanuel until a fourth quarterback.
0: And, okay, and that too, of course. <laughs> The <laughs> area baller made a good point. He says, the thing with the enemy is for me is we don't know it exactly how much is Reed and how much is the enemy. Yeah, you don't. And now we're going to find out.
1: Yeah. The only thing I'll say to that, like, again, I don't have a footing in this. Cause I don't personally, I, I don't know what goes on in the interviews. I haven't heard anything about Eric B enemy. And so this is just me speaking, but can we, can we not say the same for Matt Nagy and Mike Kafka who are quarterbacks coaches, True. but also, Like they're the quarterbacks coach, but they're coaching the greatest quarterback that we've seen in the last decade. Right. I mean, at least, I mean, Brady obviously is there, but over the 20 years in the last, in, in in this decade, he's the best quarterback we've, we've seen. So, I mean, I think you can make the argument both ways. I don't want to discredit the two guys I just said. I honestly, I'm a little higher on Matt Nagy than either others. I know Chicago bears fans hate him because of what uh, his tenure there. But Kafka, I mean, he got a freaking head coaching interview in his first year as a coordinator uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. He, he made it as a finalist. And so, it, you know, it, it's it's a tough, definitely a tough situation.
0: Definitely. Real quick, my buddy Stephen Leese, who's got Brian Kulp all confused with his uh, weird jokes in the chat. He's one of my gaming buddies. He's offering me a super duper chat. He says, "Aaron and Charles found the money strapped to my thigh." It's a Family Guy reference. People, relax, okay? It's Family Guy, okay? Anyways, um, let's jump to something stupid that we can talk about for about two seconds and then move on. Uh, the The Debo Samuel rumors of being traded to what wow. was it? The New England Patriots. Patriots. Yeah. The the cap ramifications alone.
2: The debt money. Get
0: Would get somebody would need somebody would need to be fired absolutely immediately for that. Uh, Rohan, do you have any idea where that's coming from? Is that just off season is uh lying season, more or less?
1: Let me say this. Um, I I do think that a lot of people are looking at it a little differently. You guys might not like what I have to say, but I don't think this is just speculation. I think that there, I don't think that I've said it on, on, uh, on the timeline. I don't think this is a possibility for 2023. I think the talk is for 2024 and beyond, but I think that there's a good talk that you have to have as for the dead cap. A lot of people are viewing it incorrectly. It would if if a trade war to occur, it would occur as a post June first move, where okay. the 49ers would only take on a dead cap hit of six point six five million this year, and the dead cap hit goes six point six five million over the next three or four years for Debo Samuel, rather than taking on what is it like a twenty eight million dollar cap hit? That's actually it's not June bad because yeah. we're
0: paying eight million to freaking D Ford right now to but not even it, play on this roster. So is it? It's,
2: it's a, so so post June first is. Versus...
1: If, if a trade were to occur it would be utilized as a, it would be stated as a post first designation um, because his cap hit is 8 million this year you uh, you save 2 million on the 8 million and you save some money you save 21 million next year 17 the year after that and things like that and that as because the six the, the reason you say post shoot first is because there's the cap hit that you can um, expand onto multiple seasons instead of the cap hit specifically falling on this season, and so that's the only way a trade would occur. However, my analysis on a potential Debo Samuel trade, I don't think it's I don't think it's bs, but I think that there are two things that you could say. One, can the 49ers afford both Brandon Ayuk and you Debo Samuel on long term contracts? Nope, wrong here, and actually they can, but it's different in that
0: <laughs> not not no. Not, no, not quite as long right. As the quarterbacks
2: are not getting paid. Um, they can. They do like what they do with like the what thing, the Chargers are doing. Jeez, my no, ego just got thing,
1: crushed. <laughs> no, but Aaron, you are right, Aaron. In mm. that when I talk uh, about the context, don't do that. But, He's wrong. But when you talk about it, Debo <laughs> Samuel's contract goes until twenty twenty five. I believe he has three more years left on his contract. When mm-hmm. you talk about Brandon Ayuk, this is his fourth year. He has a fifth-year option, which the 49ers will pick up in 2024. And then that third year will be his first year of an extension, which the cap hit will be significantly low. The cap hit will be around uh, less than $10 million. Because You're the talking 49ers, about Brennan
2: Ayuk's fifth-year option, right? Correct, correct. Okay, you
1: said Ayuk. Right. So you said, you said yeah, but I'm talking if Ayuk were to be extended.
2: 2023
1: it. cap hit is low because it, it's the fourth year of his deal. The fifth-year option would be around – 14 million, maybe 12 million. I don't know exactly what it would be next year. And then the first year of his extension, that cap hit should be fairly low because um, normally on the first year of these big extensions, it exponentially increases. The first year is low. And so the final year of Debo Samuel's deal, where he's making $24 million a year. Brandon Ayuk's cap hit would be low. So technically, you could have both contracts on and it wouldn't be a big cap burden. However, if Brandon Ayuk is expen- extended, which I expect the 49ers to do, I don't expect Debo Samuel to be a 49er uh, after that contract. I think the latest Debo Samuel remains a 49er is after the 2025 season, three years uh, after this, three years are over. And I do think that there's a, uh, a, a realistic possibility that Debo Samuel gets traded. I don't think it's as likely this offseason. I don't believe that it's that likely. But next offseason, when the 49ers can save $21 million uh, and only take a dead cap of $6.65 million, I, I, I believe that that would be uh, when a, uh, or I forget the exact numbers, but I think next year would be more realistic than this offseason.
2: And they can get some value from him in draft capital yeah. and not just let him walk after three years. So that would be smart.
0: That uh, My thing, My question this is a, it does it depends on where he is physically and Correct. production wise. Man, you get if you can if you can get a first round pick, second round pick for a guy like that, turn that around and draft maybe his replacement. So I hate to do that. I hate one for ones. I hate when you teams, I know what
1: you mean. Yeah.
0: I hate one for ones because we did that with Kinlaw, which is the and then next you, thing have I ask yeah. you have
1: unrealistic expectations. Yeah. You have
0: you have Buckner up here, which a lot of people are not I'm not a huge Buckner fan either, but he was the better of the two defensive he's definitely tackles. better than Javon. Right. And uh, to me, you you drafting the guy's replacement and then he's a top-15 pick, the expectations are, is, are ridiculous, and he's not even gotten close to him. Um, I'm going to actually, I want to transition to that real fast. Uh, you talked about Brandon Ayuk getting the, uh, what is it? I think it's May 1st. Is when uh yeah, May first uh, yeah, or May, May. Uh, the
1: fifth year option. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yes.
0: So I was listening to something where somebody talked to Matt Barrows, and Matt Barrows says it's highly unlikely that the Forty ers pick up Javon Kinlaw's fifth year option, which mm-hmm. as a lot of Forty er fans, including myself, who were kind of put off by the guy in his personality wise, uh that's music to my ears because he hasn't earned it, and he has essentially been a bust for where they drafted him and the expectations. You know, people like to throw the bust word around all the time, but he he has been. He's inconsistent against a run, and he doesn't rush the passer. So essentially, he's just a space eater. You can draft a space eater in the fourth round and have him sit in the middle of a defense, and the Niners drafted him with, what, the, the 14th pick? So. Um. Yeah, uh, I think Ayuk is, this is a huge year for Ayuk. Um, Yeah, I If the Niners do think, like you said, down the road to to possibly moving him, if Ayuk has another above average year or, you know, because with our offense, it's kind of hard to really stand out because the ball gets kind of thrown to who's open. It's not necessarily like, let's force the ball 15 times to one guy uh i think that'll be a lot where the 49ers be like you know what i think we're going to be okay and then you like you said if they can get take a draft pick turn that around that would probably be the only time i would say if unless the receiver if it's unless it's a, a digs for jefferson type trade where you trade digs and then you draft the guy like uh jefferson right from the vikings mm-hmm. yeah and if it's that kind of move and you're that sure on a guy and he's that much of a can miss then I wouldn't have a problem with the one-for-one one trade. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think the days of Javon Killam, I mean, he could essentially be a backup this year because I do think that the Niners need to address that defensive tackle position. Mm-hmm. And I think going forward, they need to address things with him as far as, you know, even if he has an okay year this year, I still wouldn't bring him back. Green
2: Hargrave from uh, Philly in free agency.
0: Yeah, well, not that mine, was, yeah, there was a list. I'm going to ask you about some of these. Uh, my boy... Uh, where did he he Where did he put this? Uh, it was uh, it was uh, Bayard not Bayard but Wayne Breezy. He had a list of some of these free agents. He's got uh, right tackle Joanne Taylor, center Greg Garrett Bradbury, safety Chauncey, Chauncey Gardner James. I think it is
1: Johnson uh, Johnson, CJ.
0: which is yeah. a lot of people are clamoring for him. He has uh. Marcus Davenport, which is someone I really, 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 if we're going to make a move on any free agents, if we're going to make a move on any free agents, I feel like drafting edge is so hard. And once you have edge, you never like give up on him. If someone like Marcus Davenport hits free agency, if you're going to make one move in free agency, I think you bring in an edge to other side of BOSA. And you sure up that pass rush, but I don't know what do you think?
2: He'll hit free agency because New Orleans is so under the so over the cap. Yeah. There's no way they can keep him.
1: What's your what's your him. what's your thought on any of that? Gardner Johnson's interesting. I talked about a couple of the free agents uh, earlier this week, uh, just trying to see what my thoughts were. And Gardner Johnson is a guy who I think the Forty ers could go after. But I also think he'll demand a lot of money. I think he's the second, probably the the number two safety in in the class behind Jesse Bates, who should remain with Cincinnati. I, I would be surprised if he isn't franchise tagged or whatever it is, should remain with Cincinnati, making him the number one. And so at a position where the 49ers haven't historically looked to spend at, because they've been able to t- develop enough and they've been able to get away with salt. I mean, Deshaun Gibson was a one-year deal, a guy who was going to retirement, and they got what they got out of him. And so to me, I think that they're going to be, I, I don't think that they'd go that direction, although I wouldn't be uh, mad at it. I think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's a solid player and he's versatile, which the 49ers really like out of their safeties. They like robber looks out of their safeties. They like two high looks. They like box looks. They like all sorts of different looks. They even like nickel looks. G- Gardner-Johnson can fit all that. So that's why I wouldn't mind Gardner-Johnson. Uh, as for your idea about uh, pairing Bosa with an edge rusher, I'm intrigued by that too. I would, not be, I would not be mad, and I've even stated a couple of times, I would prefer in, in a big-time investment. The 49ers, I believe, will make one, and I prefer that to be on the defensive line as opposed to the yep. offensive line. Yep. And so to me, I, will 100%. Change, I agree with the sentiment that we should go defensive line. I'll change the, uh, the, the, the player, and I think that we should go after a defensive tackle. I think Deron that Payne? defensive tackle Deron Payne's my number one, how realistic that is. We'll, we'll see, but the 49ers, <laughs> they, they can get it done. I do think that they can get it done if they want, because Ark Armstead's a guy who likely does not remain with the 49ers for the next four years. I think after his deal, or even maybe before his deals over, he'll likely end up in another Jersey, uh, be it via free agency or whatever it may be. And I think that Duron Payne is a logical guy to take over for Ark Armstead uh, uh, after, whenever he, he ends up not being a 49er. And he's a young guy who the 49ers would target. Uh, Javon Hargraves is my second option. I think that both of them would, would be really good. The one thing I learned from the 2022 season that I was wrong, I'll admit completely I was wrong on, is that the 49ers, I, I thought they did a good thing in prioritizing the depth over the starting caliber talent. And I'm not saying that they didn't have starting caliber talent. They had some really good players on this team, but this line was not better than 2019. 2019 no, was not even close. Behind. And the difference is in the playoffs, you want players that can play all three downs. You don't want to necessarily rely on rotational players. Why? Because it not only gives away – what you might be wanting to do on that play, but also it puts yourself at a disadvantage because let's say you have Charles O'Manahue and what are they going to do? They're going to run right at Charles O'Manahue because he's not the best run defender. Instead, he's a pass rusher. So that means you pull you pull out Charles O'Manahue, put Jordan Willis in. Well, they're going to start throwing the football, understanding that Jordan Willis is a better run defender. And so to, to take away from situational issues like that, You want three down level players and you're going to have to pay for three down level players. But I think if the 49ers make that investment, they should go for a defensive tackle because in today's NFL, it's as pass happy as it's ever been, which means you want to have lighter boxes, which the 49ers already incorporate with only normally two down linebackers and the linebackers being able to play in coverage as well. But to have lighter boxes and still be able to sustain uh, a strong play against the run, you need players that can defend the run well and you need those bodies up front especially at defensive tackle and i think that that's where they should go would not be mad at all though with the nutrition
0: great analysis man it's I'm, I'm with you like defensive line to me seems like more pride i just think it was the bosa the bosa the bosa show this year and um when i when i saw dallas and i saw the way philly was able to create pressure um i mean philly couldn't create any against kansas city but that's a whole other story But the way they were able to create pressure, it just made me think of 2019 and having, you know, when D Ford was healthy, Nick Bosa, D Ford, Eric Armstead, Forrest Buckner, Ronald Blair, DJ Jones. Like, it was just a deep, saturated, fantastic, you know, defense. And this year, it was just, you have a lot of good depth situational guys, but you don't have another, like, you don't have another alpha male on the other side of Nick Bosa. It was like Nick Bosa was the dude. And then he just had a bunch of guys, whereas <laughs> yeah. you can see like Philly had, you know, all the guys that they have, the, you know, the, the big rusher. They that, were all
2: double digit sacks.
0: Yeah. Had, I mean, they almost had 80 sacks this year, seven, 75, 74, something like that. Again, they didn't do anything in the Super Bowl, but.
2: Um, <laughs> I think One of them only had like seven, but still, I mean, they were, it was up there.
0: I think the closest Niner player had like five sacks this year after Bosa. That's, that's not a Charlie good. Charlie many
2: who I think had five, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was not enough. Or and Samson, I think he's man. I, I don't know about you guys. I like I like him, but not for. I don't think they're going to bring him back uh, for the production that he does. And we we definitely need somebody in the middle. And I think the Niners. You know, it's interesting that Rohan said about uh, um, Armstead being gone because I was thinking maybe they would uh, restructure his contract, kind of kick the can down the line a little bit to make to make room. To bring in uh, to open up some cap space, to bring in someone like Duron Payne or or Javon Hargrave, because of his contract that is there's going to hit this year, I think they could restructure him, and maybe um, Kittle's or someone else's. Uh, but I, if they like you said, if they wanted to make it work, they can make it work. It just depends who's out there and who's available. But they do need to bring someone they can help out. Uh, Nick Bosa. It can't just be the one man show. It's just it, too hard on Nick. Bosa. It's great to have depth, but it is. But you need to have some good players in front too. Yeah,
0: like you have to have your four dudes that are on play in and play out are your guys. Like yeah. I said, the Niners have a bunch of dudes that are all really good players, but they're not. To me, they're not starter level guys. They're mm-hmm. rotational pieces being forced into a job that maybe they're not. Like you said, uh, you got Willis, who's not as good against the pass like you said right but he's better against the run and then you have a men who's weak against the run but better against the pe- so it's those guys are great to have like if you want to run your uh what do they call it the uh not the elephant what's the name what of they call it the nascar package it's going to be interesting this year though rohan because they're bringing in steve wilkes who's a more of a blitzer he runs strictly mostly cover three right yeah. and he yeah. likes to blitz the Niners are going to leave themselves in some precarious positions next year. Um, I think, you, you know, hopefully Emmanuel Mosley can come back on the cheap and you got De'Ama Nor, and you have Chavarrius Ward, but uh, that'll be interesting. They said they might implore more of a single high where you have, uh, you have Hufunga uh, playing closer to the line of scrimmage where he's better. So the I Niners defense is going to look, I think the Niners are going to look a little different on defense next year. <laughs> Which to me, I'm I think fine so with. too. Yeah. I like I like uh, aggressive blitzing defenses at the right I, time. And, mm-hmm.
1: and I, I, I think that when you talk about the Steve Wilkes scheme, right? Uh, I think that scheme is very interesting because a lot of schemes overlap. You're going to see a lot of overlapping. The one difference, the main difference, Aaron, you, you you brought it up. It's the blitzing. I think that you will see blitzing, but I also think that Steve Wilkes won't blitz the levels that he's blitzed before because in Arizona. He had a really crappy defense I move, mean, for being honest. That defense sucked. <laughs> That's why you had to blitz so much. And in, yeah. uh, I think he was in Cleveland in 2019. That defense wasn't that special. I mean, you had Miles Garrett and all, but it wasn't too, too special to the level that you know you could be very comfortable. So I do think the blitz levels go down this year, which will be intriguing, but that defense will be very fun. And Beto, as for your, your, your point on Armstead, right, when you talk about Armstead, I think that restructuring Armstead, me personally, I believe that'd be a mistake. The 49ers have already pushed that money back a lot. And the yep. reason, like when you talk about Armstead's dead cap hit, I mean not dead cap hit, cap hit of $24 million this year and 25 point whatever next year, the reason this, the, the contract's where the contract is is because the 49ers have pushed money back already. Yep, to correct. me, I would, I would touch three different contracts because of the understanding. I you wouldn't want touch that? George Kittle. You're right. Warner, because he's in the first year of his deal. And Warner is a guy who, when you look at the contract, there are void years where you have an understanding the 49ers are going to re-extend Warner. He's the one guy I feel fairly confident the 49ers will re-up at the end of his deal and sign to at least probably at he's 31 or 32. And then he's one, McCaffrey will undoubtedly be restructured because he has no guaranteed money yeah. left. He and will likely he will likely get a restructure to get guaranteed money on his deal, which lowers his cap it. And then Nick Bosa would be the third one because his extension will likely take his seventeen million dollar cap hit this year lower, depending on how much the signing bonus is. I would I would assume the signing bonus be around forty million. Uh I haven't checked the numbers too deeply. So I that would make
0: his cap hit this coming season lower. It would be which allows the forty ers to do more 8 million. Yeah. if yeah. they end up Pushing those other two guys and extensions.
1: Exactly. Uh,
2: and the, I forgot about yeah. Fred Warner. You make yeah, a very Fred, good
0: point. Yeah. I would, do, like, you have to do it with guys that you know are going to be here and be productive.
1: Right. And pushing those the, the can guys. down
0: the road on Trent Williams is stupid.
1: To me, I want to do it because not only because of that, I don't think, I think that there's a good chance he retires before he's 39. And yeah, so absolutely. if you're, you might take $40 million and lose $40 million if you're restructuring Trent Williams, understanding he's not going to play for you the year that you might have a dead cap hit, and yep. then you're stuck. Yeah. And to me, Beto, the one other thing I will say on the 49ers and the free agents, the reason that they're going to be able to do – the issue necessarily isn't 2023. To me, the issue is actually the years after. The reason I say this, when you sign free agents with the 49ers, they always have the low first year of cap hit. Duron Payne, if he signs, his cap hit might be six million dollars this year. It might not be the twenty-five that his contract or twenty that his contract might say. It, it'll be six million, and then it exponentially increases. The issue, though, is if you're going to pay Nick Bosa, if you're going to have Ark Armstead and a guy like Duron Payne under contract, that means that next year you might be paying eighty million dollars to those three people combined. And can you can you factor that in? That's where the the trickiness kind of gets into That's where it. they move off from Armstead. It, exactly, but there's a dead cap hit to Armstead, and so ah, there's a true. lot of different complexities. That's, to me, that's where the 49ers have to figure it out. How do they understand uh, how to maneuver these deals to where they can not only have financial flexibility this year, but also next year, because these are the two years. If you don't win a championship here, I have a hard time believing the 49ers are going to figure out a way when they're going to have to pay a quarterback. Because these are the years where the quarterback is under a, a rookie deal you win championships when your quarterback is under a rookie deal yeah 40 honors they've got two more years to do it.
0: I agree this is a this is a, a window where they have to do it that see this is why I wanted you on here because you're <laughs> when it comes to cap stuff you're I can't say a savant, but like well, you have savant level abilities <laughs> um
2: you're a very intelligent young man, brother yes I, you are we, we appreciate uh, your your information. Definitely. Uh, any
0: news man. on the combine? Are you Are you doing any work? Are you looking into anybody? Uh, are you going?
1: I unfortunately will not because of school, and uh, I'm missing a week for um, college basketball, the the March Madness tournament. So I unfortunately will not. But I do. I uh, started draft prep early. I started right as uh, right after we uh, lost our NFC Championship game that Monday. I started right on it. So I got a little bit of a head start, <laughs> but um i looked at some senior bowl players still getting in there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be an exciting draft time, man.
0: Young Montana says so running it back. is just revenge tour 7.0. Yeah. The revenge tour is going to be until we actually win it another one. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't even done a mock draft and I don't really, I'm not more, I'm not a draft guy. Well, I, I let the, the people draft. that know what they're talking about. And then I just listen to them. Um,
2: but that's how you learn. You
0: yeah, track, that, you well it. I was listen I was listening to Brian Peacock on like the 49ers and he was asked about cap stuff and this that and contracts. He's like, "Listen, I don't know anything about that or or X's and O's he goes, but when it comes to scouting, he goes, that's where my like if you ask him scouting stuff, Brian Peacock is one of those guys who knows this stuff. So everybody's got their expertise level on something. Um real quick, I don't know if you guys picked up on the unfortunate sad news with the Kittle family about his wife and her unfortunate miscarriage. She actually had a really serious medical condition that not a lot of women have where the baby is actually developed outside of where it's supposed to be and developed in another part of the woman's body. And like it could have killed her and they caught it early enough. So unfortunately, yeah, yeah, I didn't uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Women wow. when women uh, I guess the 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 a women had No, I know what reg- you're
2: talking about, but I didn't know it was happening to Kittle's wife.
0: Yeah, well I I picked it up on it. I follow this one girl on Twitter and I'm like, "What happened to Kittle?" I'm like, "Oh god." I, it was happening kind of during the end of the season and then it's
2: you I would have never had, known they what that guy but She was pregnant. They found out that she was pregnant. They were celebrating about that, but I didn't know about this.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a situation where the the egg is developed within the fallopian tube and not within the uterus. And that can be fatal. The, the, the the pregnancy usually doesn't uh, survive and the, it could kill the, you know, the the, the host, the mother. So that's when football really doesn't matter. That's why Kittle, uh, you know, I get annoyed with his happy go lucky demeanor, but then you see something like that happens and you're like, you, you feel completely different. It's just like, you don't even care like about football at that point but um
2: you know it's funny how you said that you get annoyed with this happy go lucky but
0: cuz i'm i i'm i i'm a negative guy by nature cuz like, i'm a new yorker
2: i, well, I, and lo- and I'm I love i being positive what would you want them to do kicking and complaining and, and bitching you're
0: right no you're right you're right you're right it's the nature of the nationality that I, my mom's family Speaking italian people, italian people are just you're kind of just crusty man we're we're irritable <laughs> Let, always let's
2: keep, let, let's keep kiddo and his wife in prayer, man yeah, honestly definitely that, that definitely. Is sad.
0: um, I think that might be it, guys. The only other thing that I have on here is the bosa contract, uh Rohan, and then we'll get out of here. What's your thought on uh just your ballpark of yearly? year what do you think his yearly contract number would be 33 has he I mean, talked man. about not wanting to be the most pay, high paid guy but i mean he's gonna get paid
1: he's gonna get 33? the money i mean regardless one thing you can count on that family to do is get their money like, i was just yeah.
0: saying that i told that to my brother yeah. i was like the most
1: no charity paid. from them Bosa like, won't play unless they get yeah. paid <laughs> like i mean joey bosa that like I, I know a lot of us didn't follow it because it's not our team But he his contract was unprecedented at the time. He increased the guaranteed money on his deal. He increased the the highest ever by sixteen million. Sixteen million, nearly twenty-five percent of what the previous money was. Because and this is like when you see the resetting the market, it's sometimes by like fifty thousand dollars. He reset it by sixteen million dollars. That's how crazy his deal was. And I, I I mean Nick Bosa, and it's gonna get
2: resetted with Bosa.
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, to me, how I look at it, I don't care. You can pay him seventy million dollars. I don't care what that number is. I care. How much guaranteed money are they gonna to have to shell out? Is it upwards of a hundred million dollars? I'd around I'd settle around 105, although I have to look a lot more into it before I make my article later this offseason. Settle around 105 and then how much money do you guarantee at signing? Guaranteed signing includes the signing bonus and then the guaranteed salaries. Do you guarantee two or years of his contract, which is normal for NFL players, but a player of his stature, you're likely guaranteeing three? And also, what is the signing bonus? That's the biggest question because the signing bonus will dictate how much money uh, his cap hit will be this year. Yep. If the signing bonus is thirty-five million dollars, like his brother's was, which is the highest I believe still uh, for five year on a five-year deal. That means his cap hit will be eight million this year because the signing bonus is seven million over the last the over five years. And then added on to the 1.035 million in base he'll likely make this year, he'll make a cap hit of eight million dollars this year. And so those are the three key figures. I think there's a lot of talk around it. I'd assume if BOSA is looking to reset the market in all three, TJ Watt has the highest signing bonus right now at 35.5 million uh guaranteed at signing. TJ Watt also has it at 80. And then Bosa's uh, guarantee like total guarantees is 102. I'd maybe expect a contract in 105 of total guarantees in terms of guaranteed at signing, maybe 85 million, and then signing bonus, maybe 40 million, 36 to 40 million, putting his cap at around 8 million, 9 million at the year.
0: So, either way, he's going to get paid. It's this gonna, is not it's this isn't going to be lonely. a uh, this isn't going to be a Paragmarante, yeah, no uh, magic, magic show discount.
1: Someone's but, getting paid, but Aaron. When we talk about the biggest contracts possible, Parag finds a way to make it just even more crazy than you like. Like all the big contracts, Parag just he he finds a different way, man. They'll
0: always lowball initially. They they always lowball.
1: Especially lowball initially, but it's like upfront money. They don't pay upfront money. Like which means they they won't pay a high. No
0: guarantee. That's why you can never have guaranteed contracts in the NFL. Right, right. You just can't. Not in a physically demanding sport. You could do it in baseball. It's a country club, so Unless you're you know?
2: the Browns, yeah, unless you're the Browns.
0: <laughs> oh, listen, as long as they could do something contractually wise where it can help the 49ers this year and maybe next year, uh you know, add some more defensive line help. Uh good way to keep Bosa healthy so he can actually play through his contract is right. to not have Bosa be your only uh pass rusher that can actually get double digit sacks. We need we need to reinvest. All the people that banged on the... Th- here's the two things that we always bang on the Niners for, drafting or free agency. We always bang on them and get pissed that they over, they over go after too much running backs. Like, oh, they drive so many running backs. I don't know why they go after so many running backs. I don't know why they sign so many running backs. You see why. Every year it's the same thing. We lose like half of them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, You know, you got Elijah Mitchell. I, I love him to death, but I think next year, if he has another year where he's not playing very much, I think that's the end of the Elijah Mitchell story. Personally, the other thing is defensive line bashing on the Niners. The Niners 2019 team had you know was insane. Why? Because they had like three or four first rounders on that team, and you know, you had D Ford on that team. It's it it I don't know if it necessarily in this day's NFL if it matters, because I'm starting to think it's becoming more of an offensive league. Like the Super Bowl we saw. You know, the Eagles supposedly had this great defense and they were completely neutralized by Patrick Mahomes. It's starting to almost become like, unless you have an elite-level quarterback, you have no chance of competing for a championship. So, I don't know. The Niners got to find a way to, you know, do things their way and and maybe change the narrative on that one. Because right now, it looks like unless you have a high-level quarterback, you're not winning. So, But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. The next couple weeks will be interesting with the uh, news on Purdy and then free agency. i'm looking forward to all that stuff and my buddy charles knows that uh i can't stand the chiefs but i told him that i was so happy that they actually won and he was like no i'm like yeah i'm actually happy because you know i met i met him right after that we lost to the uh, uh the chiefs a couple years ago and like i was so depressed i was depressed probably like six to eight months after the game i was just so mad so everybody i met i always met him with I can't believe the chiefs won and it would be like three or four months later. So, all right, everybody. I appreciate the supers. Everybody's been really great. Rohan. I am so happy that I asked you to come on. That was exactly what I was aiming for me and Beto. You know, we, we could talk all the, our love and admiration for the SF on the helmet, but sometimes we need to know all the nitty gritty. So um, I appreciate it very much. I wish we could do this more often. I say the same thing with Raj. I get jealous when people get locked in shows with everybody and I'm like, I want a locked in mm-hmm. show, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you coming through. Everybody likes subscribe. If you like what you see. And uh, like I said, we'll, well, I'll do, I'll do content based on what's happening. Um, if we get some news in next week or so and closer to free agency, then I'll be on here. So I'll see you guys next time. Everybody in the chat. Thank you very much. And uh, go Niners.